Left, right, and center with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Matz. Welcome, guys. Hi. Now, before we get into the topic that's kind of on the table here, um, I just want to revisit one we talked about briefly today just to see if you have any thoughts on it. Earlier in the show, we spent more than an hour talking about legalization of prostitution and marijuana from this perspective. That uh, tobacco companies today, tobacco is legal, um, the government is talking about putting $100 million into a transition fund to kind of wean certain public uh, events like the Montreal Jazz Festival and Comedy Festival and so on to wean them off of tobacco money. And we, had a call and we discussed whether that was a good idea or not, and a caller phoned and said that, you know, yeah, we, should, uh, we shouldn't ban it in the first place. Just let's take all the money they want to give us. I mean, if the money's there and they couldn't be put to a good use, then what does it matter where it comes from? And I asked her then, would she extend it to prostitution and legalizing soft drugs, for example, um, and soft drug marijuana, because uh, based on this recent case in London, to the best of our knowledge right now, is a relatively benign substance. Uh, and that's not my opinion. This is what the judge said in, the, in ruling in this case, in the Chris Clay case. Uh, so that's why I added that. And she said, well, yeah, absolutely. We should, we should legalize both of them and make as much money as we can. Uh, either of you guys have any thoughts on that, or do you want to move ahead to, to where we're well, going? I, I agree with the concept of legalization, but not for the purpose of simply making money. I think it's a fundamental right to abuse yourself. I don't care, you know, in the sense whether someone else regards that as abuse and you just think of it's a use of a drug or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fundamental freedom that you have, but that freedom, again, has to be attached to, to the responsibility of any consequences of that action. So from your perspective, so, then, the idea to do it as a fundraiser is not really a... That, that may be... I mean, there's going to be... There are people making money on the illegality of drugs today and on the illegality of prostitution in greater, greater uh, uh, percentages of profits than anything that would happen on a free market. Hey, Jeff, you have any thoughts on either prostitution or marijuana? Yeah, well, I think... Uh, and it's interesting that some of these issues do cross over uh, from the left and the right, it, it seems, although it may just be my, uh, my southern Ontario upbringing, but uh, I... I don't like the idea of um, profiting on things that we consider to be bad things, and I think it's sort of a, a slippery slope. I, was, I saw something on TV the other day about how when the recession, or when the depression, Great Depression hit in uh, Chicago, that the first guy to set up soup kitchens was Al Capone, yes. and uh, that uh, they had guys, uh, down and outers, raving about what a wonderful guy he was. You know, mm -hmm. this is guys going around cracking skulls with baseball bats and, uh, you but know, not very many. Mafia. Just, <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> as many as had to be. Just yeah. the other bad guys. Yeah, with yeah. profound regret, yeah. And, uh, and I think that, that that is the slippery slope and the, the danger. The other aspect about this money that's coming from tobacco companies to do, uh, uh, you know, Grand Prix racing and stuff like that is that it's not created money. It's just money that we have in the economy that would be used some other way. This is where I, I wonder about when we hear about uh, all this money that will be poured into the communities if we, if we get a casino. I see Toronto wants a casino now because they say they'll have all this extra money in there. It's like, well, this money isn't, isn't created out of nothing. This is money that we'd be using just to spend on something else if it wasn't for that. So I think it's an illusion to say that money that tobacco companies put into uh, sports, for instance, is some created thing. It's just money that we could be putting into it directly through ticket prices or whatever if we want to. Uh, but as far as the idea of whether, whether uh, marijuana and prostitution should be legal, I think they should be. And one of the big reasons is so they can be regulated. Uh, we've seen a proliferation in London, in, uh, apparently, in the last year or two of massage uh, parlors that are unregulated and uh, I think realistically it's there it's going to exist and the government should be keeping an eye on them to make sure they're hygienic and uh, uh, that basically <laughs> they make the best of a bad situation. But again from your perspective not not as a fundraiser. No that's right. Okay. Uh, we have a caller who says he wants to talk to the two of you right off the bat so okay. let's, let's no. talk to him before we get into the other thing we would had planned and maybe we won't get into it who knows. <laughs> um, 
643-1290 is our telephone number. Star 1290 on the Cantel, and you are always welcome to join uh, this program at any time. Uh, and Robert is with us. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Jim. Yes, um, sir. Following up on your uh, show with uh, Mr. Gardner and with uh, with your two guests, um, I, I think that uh, you know you can sum up the the argument in the uh, if you uh, if you if you define the role as, of government and the difference between the two sides is. You know, should the government exist to protect our freedom of choice, or should the government exist to restrict it? And I think that's what the, the you know, all the arguments are really about. And I was wondering if your two guests could um, could debate that proposition, because it seems to, uh, you know, come forward in almost all all the arguments. Well, uh, sure. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll wind them both up, and away we go. <laughs> All right, thank you, Robert. Okay, thanks. I'll just turn it on uh, and listen up now. Okay. Um, I guess, uh, first, do you guys accept the premises that he put forth, or the, uh, that, that uh, on one hand, it is the belief that government should protect our freedom of choice, and on the other hand, that its primary role is to restrict it, in, and I'm going to add a little bit to what Robert said, in, quote, positive ways. Uh, either of you have any trouble with defining your positions kind of broadly that way? Well, I, I certainly believe that the role of government is to protect individual choice, but in the protection of choice, there are restrictions placed upon one's freedom. Uh, freedom is not a, a license. It's not a license mm -hmm. to do anything you want. Uh, freedom is, in fact, if properly defined in a social setting, it is a limit on your actions. You are only free up to the point of the other guy's nose, so mm -hmm. to speak. And that's the concept of freedom. And that's why I think it's the only concept that works in a social setting, because it makes the individual the basic unit of society, not some group or some other identified uh, interest group. And uh, it puts everyone on an equal footing. I just, uh, you know, there, yes, there are certain restrictions, but those restrictions are those that violate another individual's freedom of choice. Jeff, uh, are you comfortable with, with the, 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 the not opposite, but shall we say the complementary uh, definition of of uh, the role of government, which is to restrict our freedoms for our own good. Well, it is it is sort of that chicken and egg thing again that uh, you know your your freedom ends where it impacts someone else's freedom, and I think that what government effectively is is the muscle behind what we collectively agree is where the line should be drawn, so that. Uh, uh, in in some ways, it is two sides of, of the coin, and I'm struck sometimes by by the fact that I'm the one arguing uh, that you know, charters of rights and stuff uh, protect individual freedoms and liberties. Uh, then I think Bob's view is that it's quite the opposite; that the government has the effect of uh, of denying those individual rights. Well, our current charter gives the government that power, Section 15.2, the right to uh, override the basic fundamental freedoms for the amelioration of disadvantaged groups. Um, that, to me, is a violation of this principle, the government protecting our, our freedom of choice. I know, and it all comes back to a question then of, of first of all, how you, um, how you define what freedom is. And uh, I, I suspect, without uh, knowing uh, what they had in mind, but I suspect that the idea of trying to ameliorate conditions for certain people in society is because they need a kickstart. Uh, but uh, 
the other aspect of it is, I say that for mine, it is two sides of the same coin. <laughs> Both of us are arguing for freedom, along with uh, Mel Gibson. And what was that movie? <laughs> well, that's that's the whole. That's always been the issue. Is is the, I think the battle is about defining what freedom is, and then then hearing what each individual's definition of freedom actually is. Most of the people that I argue with who say they're fighting for freedom are fighting for freedom from responsibility. They don't want the responsibility of paying for their own education. They don't want the responsibility of paying for their own health care. What they want is someone third party to provide that and then collectively all of us to be forced in some way to provide that kind of a freedom, which is not a true freedom. And any country that's tried that kind of freedom loses not only its freedom, but the benefit that it thought it was getting by giving up that amount of freedom. It's just a slow process. You just watch it day by day. It just chips away, chips away, and until you have neither left. And, and this is what concerns me, Jeff. When I hear you talk about freedom, I have a feeling that's the kind that you're talking about. Well, no, I'm talking about, well, no, I'm talking about more of if you talk about whether it's better to have a service provided by government or by private industry or somebody else. That's a housekeeping issue for me. It's a question. Absolutely how you, not. How, how do you go about with getting somebody else's government? Go? And they don't help. We talk keep. about which is cheaper and they which have is more expensive and all that stuff. But as far as the protection of individual rights and freedoms, uh, the where I come from is that there are people who historically have had a harder time asserting them. So, for instance, over the over the years, women weren't allowed to own property. For instance, that to me uh, is a restriction on their freedom. So Absolutely. you bring in laws which say we don't care. Uh, whether people like it or not, from now on, women can own property. That gives them more freedom. In a sense, I suppose it takes some element of uh, power or, or choice or whatever away from the man who had an exclusive right to it before. Well, definitely. That was certainly a restriction on freedom. And property rights, incidentally, are the enabling right of all our freedoms. And, and I think if an individual doesn't have that fundamental right, they don't have any. I want to read something here to you. This is from Bill's book from his own mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, essay here in Democracy Against the Family. And he quotes, uh, or paraphrases, Alexis de Tocqueville, who wrote Democracy in America. This is a, a, a book that is widely quoted from people on all political perspectives, because he was a very insightful man, de Tocqueville. This was uh, more than 100 years ago when he toured America and went back to Europe to report what he saw. Um, Bill says, uh, de Tocqueville noted that, and here's where I quote, modern democracy under which individuals hewed most to their private selves would serve as a sweet vehicle for the rise of statism for a mild tyranny that masses of individuals who surrender their faith in transcendent social bonds and purposes for the freedom of individual autonomy become ripe for takeover by government. Moral authority and social order must originate and arise from somewhere, and if not from religion, from family, community, and civil society, then it will dis descend with destructive and highly ideological vigor from government. Now, I guess in a sense what he's saying here is any society that, that does what our society appears to be doing on the one hand, and that is to emphasize the rights of the individual, um, is going to end up in a society that we also seem at the same time we're almost parallel paths we also are increasing the statist role in, 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 in this country um, are we in danger Bob if we follow what you're saying that I, I, I disagree with the premise that we are overemphasizing the rights of the individual we are not we are in fact taking away the part of the right that's the most important and that's the responsibility aspect of it and yet and yet the the uh, the, the, the Supreme Court in interpreting the uh, the Charter and so on 
has certainly it has the appearance of favoring individual rights over collective rights. Well, sure, it's like our Constitution. It's called the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and it and it exists to take them away, not to not to give them to us. You have when people are taking away your rights, and by people I mean governments and and interest groups and stuff. They are definitely going to use the same words so that basically to fool you so that you're you're not really re seeing what they're doing and you're just hearing what they're saying and uh, just because a judge may call this particular individual right an individual right doesn't make it so i think there's a more fundamental uh... philosophical premise on what an individual right is based and it has to be tied to responsibility when a judge lets an individual off or is extremely lenient and doesn't make him responsible for his actions like personally i think every thief and criminal in the court system who, who's stolen from somebody should be made to pay that something back to mm -hmm. that somebody. I agree. That to me is the number one issue of responsibility. Yeah. And, and some people are calling not forcing those people to do that individual rights. Excuse me. No, that's not what it is. That's the, the bastardized, perverted version of individual rights that the socialists and the statists are selling us. Well, I'm curious but, that Jeffrey just said you agree with that, 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 that restitution, that kind of responsibility should be incumbent upon them. The, oh, sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, when I t talk about uh, sort of my perspective of, of what rights are, uh, for me, uh, responsibility is a big part of it. And, I, and I, I'm, I don't know the people who are the ones who are saying I'd like a free ride and that that's what I consider to be my right. What I know of is people who say they can't get a fair shake for whatever arbitrary reason is out there and that they want that uh, arbitrariness taken away. And it's, it reminds me of uh, the, uh, there's a line of, and I just can't remember which judge it was. I believe it was a judge, though, who talked about the, uh, the doors of the courthouse are open to all just are the door just as are the doors of the uh, Savoy hotel you know that uh, any anybody can theoretically walk into the most expensive hotel in the world now how long you'll be staying there well it's the old argument here everybody's free to sleep under a bridge whether yeah. you're a millionaire or a, or a pauper well that's right and uh, so from my end of it as far I don't look at it in terms of responsibilities or not and, and say again as far as I'm aware uh, everybody that I know who's a left-winger says that you are responsible for your actions you should take responsibility and I don't know how we ended up with a system where you don't you're not responsible for uh, uh, compensating victims of your crimes like I don't know how that happened frankly well, how did it happen, Bob? I mean, there are some people who would say it happens, but particularly because of the efforts of the people on the left who said that, uh, you know, there is a responsibility. Yes, a responsibility for every action, but the responsibility may not lie with the individual. It may be society's fault that little Johnny stole. Well, I th but this has been the, the law for as long as, you know, certainly it's got to be for at least the 20th century. Uh, it's been with the law for a long time. It's not a creation of the 60s or... Well, it, it's crept, it certainly crept into the law, and it comes from that, uh, uh, you know, modern liberalism, the idea that society is responsible for the, for the actions of certain individuals, which I think any society that starts thinking like that is doomed. You, you cannot ascribe responsibility to other than an agent of action. Right? But can you not say, is it not fair to say, though, Bob, that if you've got little Johnny, and little Johnny, little Johnny uh, uh, plainly came from a, an abusive family, and, 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 and the supports in the community weren't there, and when uh, a helping hand reached out to him might have made all the difference in turning him from the criminal path, that hand wasn't there, Etc. 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 It still doesn't make little Johnny ir not responsible for his actions because there's a lot of little Johnnies who went through the same, through the same experience and didn't turn to crime. Well, uh, what about you know this, this for myth, this one, this myth for example, that that, that poverty causes crime or the, is, is just refuted by our experience in the Depression. 
I mean, uh, there wasn't a big crime wave in the Depression caused by poverty. If anything, there was a big wave of generosity and, and helpfulness, which I think is the nature of what would happen in a situation like that. Um, where the crime wave came from and where people got the idea that poverty causes crime, um, that's a big jump and a leap in logic. In fact, uh, I was listening to uh, author Thomas Sewell, um, American author, uh, mm -hmm. black activist, mm -hmm. who grew up in Harlem, 1940s and stuff like that. He says people were poor. He said nobody thought anything of sleeping out on their on their balcony or on the on the fire escape at night. You know, and there was no feel, feeling of uh, of any feeling of violence or, or anything like that, mm -hmm. even back then. That this is all a recent phenomenon since the welfare state and the and the and the sense of entitlement that so many people have been encouraged to expect, and it's an entitlement given to them by governments. I need to say, I don't disagree about the, uh, the depression and whether that caused violence and sort of violent upheavals and so on, that uh, from everything that I've heard, it did, and there was all kinds of problems, and that there wasn't this massive wave of generosity. Back in those days, you had uh, the governments like the Bennett government that said, you know, if you're unemployed, it's your own problem, too bad. Uh, I look to uh, things like uh, the depression. Well, that was the government saying it. That wasn't that's how people it came saying along. it. I'm people were desperately poor in Germany and the massive inflation and everything else. It was the economic problems that caused an Adolf Hitler to be able to, to rise to power. But uh, the other aspect of it, though, as far as the um, question of whether, uh, whether there should be compassion for people who commit crimes and whether society has a role in all that, to me, that goes to the question of, first of all, if there is a role for society to say that society had something to do with it. That may deal with moral culpability, but it doesn't deal with responsibility. And from my standpoint, point if you break something of somebody else's you fix it if you lose something of somebody else's you replace it and that's just fundamental and uh, i don't know if that's a if that's a left or a right kind of thing that's just sort of the way it seems to me it ought to be well it would seem to be a, a, an objective system of justice to be working on that principle but obviously our courts don't agree with either of us on, in that <laughs> application of the law but it, you know it's the broader social issues the, 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 again you, jeff your your argument always boils down to government efficiency you seem to think government is more efficient at providing no, okay, certain yeah. services certain, than oh, okay certain ones yeah than than the private sector and i would like to see that proven but but those of your persuasion don't give those of my persuasion the freedom to try our idea out you know like i'm just saying if you believe in socialism and 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 the collective approach to things you should have the right certainly to voluntarily join such an association but not the right to force your fellow neighbors and people who disagree with you into such an association we're going to pause on that note we're going to continue with left right and center with bob metz and jeff schlemmer and if you'd care to join us you're always welcome Welcome at 643-1290, star-1290. If you have a comment on what either of our callers or either of our of our panelists have had to say this morning, perhaps they're missing a point and you'd like to make it. 643-1290 is the telephone number. And when we return, I'm going to bring up this word entitlement again. Yesterday on 1290 CJBK in the afternoon on the Pia Shandell Show, Pia was talking about uh, uh, a new report from Stats Canada about welfare and about uh, the percentage of people who use it and so on and so on. I don't want to get into the, into the numbers because that's not necessarily germane to what we're doing this morning, but uh, uh, it, 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 it points us in another direction. And she was talking about this, this uh, um, climate of, uh, what does she call it now? A uh, society of slackers or slackness or something like that. Anyway, and one of the points she made, has been made many times, is that our system has changed from initially being one of, uh, of uh, a benevolence from the government towards people in need to uh, a demand on the part of those people that the government meet their needs, and uh, which is now referred to, generally speaking, as entitlement. First time I ever heard that word in a Canadian context was in this studio from Marion Boyd. 
who was the minister of uh, whatever she was at that time in the NDP, provincial NDP government. I'd never heard that word used in a Canadian context. And she talked about entitlement, people who are entitled to this service and entitled to that money and entitled to this check and entitled eventually to pick my pocket because I put it to her in those terms. Um, the word now has been has much wider currency in Canadian discussions of these issues. Jeff, I want to start by asking you, uh, do you believe that Canadians are entitled to uh, the benefits of the society as a whole? And this was one of the points Pia was making too, that some people believe we're a wealthy country, ergo everyone is entitled to some share of that wealth. I hate using words that, that uh, say this is the way it is and no explanation of why it's the way it is. I think that that's, that's something that's going to be unsatisfying to anybody who disagrees with it. And that's why I never use the word like right. I never say anybody has a right to this or a right to that. I would not say somebody is entitled to this or that. Uh, same as we hear in government often about privileges. Driving is a privilege. It's not a right. You know, and therefore, you know, we can take away your license anytime we feel like it and so on. Those words are not that useful for me. The more useful uh, way to look at it is to talk about should it be this way or should it not and why and for my end of it if somebody says should we have a welfare state should we look after people who are, uh, are poor and give them some minimal standard of living i'd say that's a smart idea if we don't do that our society would be a lot worse than it is now so, so you don't use the word right you see no value no, I'm in, okay, in the concept talking, but, uh, of the word right no i don't and part of the reason for that okay, is that that's, some, that's i find that remarkable in this context well, because, because what you find out on this show what isn't he what he's saying is he agrees with you he's saying that the people do not have the right to that money they don't have the right to that to share in the public wheel. Well, no, he said they do. He says he agrees with those kinds of programs that help people like that. Oh, but saying, I think it's a good idea, and I can tell you why, but I'm not saying it's because, they just because. They, well, see, they, the they, reason I believe it's a bad idea is precisely because to have such a system would require the violation of rights of people. And that, 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 that accrued, you know, you seem to think that rights don't really exist, that they're just some, some abstract concept that has nothing to do with their application to reality, when in fact it's quite quite the opposite. I remember one time you and I were, we were arguing on the show and on some show past and you said something to the effect that property rights were just some convention made up by some guy who wanted to build a, a cabin in the woods. <laughs> well, they are. Well, you can't point to a tablet and somewhere to say that you, property is somehow a different but you just uh, identified importance than life or any of the other things people say are rights. But Jeff, in that very statement, you identified the reason you have to have a property right to protect your cabin in the woods. If you build the cabin, that is how you acquire the right to the cabin. It is your labor that has created this thing, and therefore it is yours by right. That's, know, what, that's, about, that's how rights what about originated. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Are those rights? You know, they're things that are important to people, but who says it's a right? Well, happiness isn't a right, but you can pursue it all you want. That's, that yeah. is a right. Reminded life and liberty, uh, life, not life itself in the sense that someone else has to provide you with a living, but life in the sense that you have a freedom of action to provide your own life without the resistance or artificial, uh, uh, you know, stopping of other people. But, uh, you know, you said yourself why you need a right. If, if you build a cabin in the woods, it's yours. No one else can walk into it and just well, sit down. Well, in some cultures it is, but lots of cultures it's not. From my end of it, you know, rights are something that we refer to uh, some some baseline source. It's like, well, it's a right because the Bible set out Ten Commandments. That's a that's our source of authority. From my end of it, I look at, like, who says it's a right? Who can point to this is the way it is and that's all it's there is to it? It's a metaphysical fact. It, it, a right is, ba it's, you have a hierarchy of values and at the base you have these rights in order to enable Values are quite different than rights. To, uh, well, right is a value. I mean, I value Maybe. individual freedom, and that is a right. 
that I have in society, but whether the government the acknowledges think, it or not. The value is the way you think you should live. You say that these are good things and these are bad things. To do to take from somebody is a bad thing. And it just seems to make sense to me that that's just an inherent bad thing. But the thing that makes it a bad thing is that when you take something from someone, you are violating their right to that thing, which you know is theirs. You, you're, you're implicit in your sentence is that you do acknowledge right. But there I lots... i got to jump in here for a second. Okay. You're, you're saying that you, you, the, the right, no, no rights, no, no rights. Um, I'm oversimplifying. What about the Charter Rights of Freedoms? And all that's a piece of paper, then, according to you. Oh, sure. It's and just a piece of paper. Yes, it is. And uh, in that case, the, uh, what you have to look to, I guess, this is sort of the lawyer part of it coming back in, is to say, well, you know, if somebody has said this is the way it is, then you say, well, says who, and what are you going to do about it? Well, in this case, it's like it says the government of Canada, and what are you going to do about it? If you break it, then you're going to go to jail or, or whatever. There'll be some sanction applied. That, that's one way of looking at rights. Rights are things that somebody can impose on somebody else through power. You know, and that's what our government effectively does through laws. Oh, I agree there are illegitimate rights and, and bogus rights that aren't real in, well, in the metaphysical fact. But like, for instance, in the United States, there's a question about do you have the right to life, for instance, in their constitution or whatever it is, uh, Bill of Rights, they mm -hmm. say that they have that right to life. And that argument has been used uh, countless times in the context of capital punishment. You know, do you have the right to take away someone's life? Well, clearly you do in the United States. They have capital punishment all over and the place. And abortion. Yes, that's right. You know, and so again, it's a question of, so what do you mean by these things, and who says that's a fundamental uh, right that should be treated differently than in any other law? Like, from my perspective, laws are things that we collectively get together and say, this is the way we ought to run our, our society. And the reason we should run it that way is because it's a good idea. Okay, we're going to go to the phones. We've got Ron, who's been waiting patiently. Good morning, Ron. How are you doing, gentlemen? Fine, thank you. I must say I'm perplexed, and I've got so many things that I'd like to say. I'm perplexed that, that we have four intelligent men discussing something as simple as rights. Rights are taken, rights are quite simply, first of all, the basic rights which are constitutionally protected. It's impossible to have an illegitimate right. That is, is, is an oxymoron in itself. Rights are constitutionally protected. Those are given rights. All the other rights we, we can discuss and argue about, they are not rights. Rights are things that are given to us as citizens that are constitutionally protected. And uh, anyone Ooh, boy, and I got I, I got to jump in here. I don't buy that for men. I don't think rights are given to you at all. If if rights have any value, they have to be inherent. Because if you're saying you know, the only rights you have are the rights the government gives you, then then you're you're giving all the authority and all the power to the government. I don't buy that the for a second. The government doesn't give you anything. The government represents us. Rights are given to us by ourselves. We are the citizens. The Constitution is our Constitution. The Constitution is not a government nah, Constitution. it's not my Constitution. Pardon? It's not my Constitution. It isn't? No, sir. -y. So you certainly have a fundamental misunderstanding of what the Constitution represents, then, Jim. Uh, I believe you and I do, yes. No, 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 no. This is not a debatable or a relative point. The Constitution is that that protects us, that is, that is our Constitution. In fact, if you look at the U.S. Constitution, it, it constantly refers to we, the citizens. We the people, but our but ours doesn't do that. Are, that's right. But ours doesn't do that. Ours is not the American Constitution. No, but I, Jim, come on, I'm using that as a parallel. I certainly understand that. Well, what do you mean, come, uh, come on? You sound like you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding at all. No, I, I just think that you're being quite quite illogical there, and I say that respectfully. I don't think that you can seriously debate that that no citizen, no citizenry has rights. I mean, rights are, 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 are entrenched in the well, who said in that? No, none of, none of the three of us. Whether they're inherent or whether... None of the three of us today said the citizenry do not have any rights. Nobody said that. I don't know where you got that from. None of the three of us have said that. No, Jim, you are saying that, that you have a problem with people who use the word right because no one has rights. Well, I didn't say that. I don't know what show you're listening to, but right that, to I don't know what show you're listening to, but I didn't. Did I say that? You guys recall me saying that? Because no, I sure no. didn't believe that I said it. Well, you did. 
trust me. But let's, let's well, kind of well, I don't trust you because I don't believe I did, and neither of my guests recall me saying that. So, what was your, your analogy to, to the pocket picking? Pardon me? What was your analogy to someone having the right to pick your pocket? Well, I said uh, I was talking about the use of the word entitlement and that Marion Boyd had used that word and had gone on to, to explain that what it meant was that people in our society who were disadvantaged through no fault of their own, I don't remember her saying those words, but I'm sure she would have added that, through no fault of their own, had a right, had a right to be supported by people who were more successful in the, in the community, in the society. My contention is that while I agree with what Jeff said and Bob said, that, that there's a lot of good reasons why we would want to do that, and I would support doing that, sure. I don't believe they have a right to oh, agree. In that context, it was obviously misused. But then to, to, to jump on to the larger picture and saying that as a society we shouldn't use that word is, is making a, a quantum leap. Who I agree. I, that? I, I don't think that's a right. I think Mir and Boy probably used it loosely. And I don't think oh, she no, 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 she it used it, no, sir, no, she used it right. very, no, she used it very specifically, and she and I have had this discussion more than once. It is a very specific use, and she believes people, at least she did then, last time I talked to her about it, that people had a right to that. Anyway, Ron, I have to leave, we've got a lot of people waiting, but I appreciate your call and your thoughts today, and Gord's with us. Hi, Gord. How you doing? Fine, thanks. Yeah, I think it boils down to that uh, both sides are sort of entrenched. If we both look at each other's concerns and deal with them, it might work out better. But don't you get the sense that our two guys today, they're not, I don't think they're entrenched at all. A oh, lot no. of, they're agreeing on a lot of things today, which kind of surprises me. I know, isn't that scary? <laughs> what do you say for Fool's Day? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, that's right, too. I, I can think of, take it down to almost an analogy of like uh, tenants and renters, yes. or tenants and landlords. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for instance, like now, like you have to give two months notice and uh, come up with first and last month's rent. Now, I can understand the concept why landlords have, want that. They want, they're just trying to protect their property. Yes. I can understand that. But on the other hand, it is hard for people who are poor to come up with that and deal with that. Now, both sides could get together and come up with some kind of solution to deal with each other's concerns. This idea of, like you say, entitlement, you're, you're but, picking but the, my pocket. The solution is there, though. The solution is very simple. The solution is that people should live up to the agreements they make. It's just that easy. And if every renter that signed a lease was prepared to live up to the terms of that lease, and if every landlord who signed a lease was equally prepared to, turn, to, to, live, to, to live up to the terms of that lease, uh, you, you wouldn't need the lease in the first place. You wouldn't need the piece of paper. And you certainly wouldn't need extra legislation to provide protection for either side. The problem is that many tenants don't take that seriously, and many landlords don't take their responsibility seriously. Ergo, we have to step in there with rules and regulations and legislations when, in, in the best of all possible worlds, two individuals of honor and probity would shake hands, and that would be the end of it. Exactly. I know, but unfortunately it doesn't happen. It doesn't. But we have to come up with solutions, I guess, legally, that kind of, instead of where one side wins, the other side loses, where it... It's a uh, balance. Well, I, I, I well, see, here's an example of just how, how things eroded to the point of where they are. A judge is faced with a tenant who cannot so, say in some situation afford to pay his landlord. The judge, uh, you know, sheds pity on him, let's say, and lets him get away with it. The landlord learns a lesson. He says, well, from now on, since the court is not going to protect my interest and I have no recourse, I'm going to demand these terms in my lease. 
and then it just escalates from there because the courts haven't done their proper job in the first place. Uh, the issue of poverty is a totally separate issue from justice, separate from everything else, and until we, we learn to deal with it like that, we're, we're just going to get in this quagmire deeper and deeper. But I think Gord's saying, though, that it, it's much more useful to talk about the, the reason why things ought to be the way they are, the reason for a law, than to just say it should be yes. the law because that's my right or that's, it should be the law because that's my entitlement. It's like, well, no, no, tell me, practically speaking, what does it mean to you? What are the problems? But the law doesn't care about that. You can ask landlords from one end of this country to the other, you know, why is this a problem for you? And they will all tell you very plainly, but the law doesn't care. Um, in, in certain situations, and, and I'm, I would characterize them as extreme situations, the law may call a... Uh, 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 um, I was going to say recalcitrant. That's the wrong word. Uh, de well, deadbeat. I don't want to use. Well, okay, deadbeat tenant. Occasionally, the, the the law will call a deadbeat tenant to account, but more often than not, the tenant simply walks away, owing a month or two months or whatever. The system is structured in such a way the landlord cannot possibly recoup the money he's lost. Ergo, the landlord is cut out of the equation, and as Bob said, the next time a tenant comes, the landlord is that much harder on. But it's the same thing that slumlords get away with stuff all the time too. But fundamentally, though, as far as how our laws come about. I say they don't come about, they're not received wisdom uh, from, from the heavens or whatever. They're, they're things that are debated. And the, for landlord and tenant law is a good example where we've just had a massive change in the law that's come about after public consultations. There's been all kinds of... But, the but, you know, but, all it's, it's, but it's interesting you say that because, because you can make the case that our law, laws have come down from above. If you lived by all each of the Ten Commandments, you could throw away everything else if everybody did it. But those aren't our laws. Our laws may be based in those things, and you're right. Fundamentally, that's where we may have ideas about what's, what, what our values are, what our sense of right well, and I mean, wrong and is. And you can simplify it even more. You can go, some people have said, if we all live by the golden rule, you wouldn't need another law. And I think you can make that case, too. Oh, sure. Everything you need to know you learned in kindergarten, fundamentally. Gord, I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you for joining us okay. today. And Rose is with us. Hi, Rose. Yes, good morning, Jeff, uh, Bob, and Jim. Good morning. Um, I hope I can articulate my thoughts here because I was, you were pushing all the right buttons when I was listening to this program. And uh, I was getting a little angry, and then I was getting happy, and then, uh, boy, I was <laughs> I on a real roller coaster here. <laughs> yeah, I laughed, I cried, yeah. Um, welfare, I'm going to start there, for instance. Um, there was a comment made that uh, some people think that it's their right to be supported, and uh, I, had a, I heard a comment that was saying, well, who says so? Who gives them the right to make these choices? And uh, the government is basically going to uh, help these people out because they're in dire straits. Well, um, if you're going to talk about rights, then, uh, I would like to uh, contend that I feel very strongly with my right as a parent that I want to have a proper society um, based on what I'm teaching my children here at home. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching them a high ideal of uh, respect your neighbors, go and work for your living, do not take welfare, um, speak properly, don't use any vulgarity, stay out of jail, stay out of trouble, honor the law, and, in fact, that law actually can turn around and bite you in the butt. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as renting is concerned, um, I was uh, at the one option with my husband. We rented a property, and we treated it as our own property. And it was the way we were brought up. Yes. So everybody's talking about their rights, and I'm getting so sick and tired of it. What happens to morality? What happens to um, respecting your neighbors, respecting yourself, and basically wanting to have a good work ethic, you know? Um, and as far as the uh, children concerned, all these laws that are being produced now, do they really have children in mind? They want to uh, legalize prostitution. They want to legalize 
drugs. They want to legalize. Well, who's they, though? Who wants to do this? Uh, well, I would like to find that out because I believe that there are a certain group that want to. And they actually, in fact, Jim, had legalized um, the age of consent to 14, and I think that is disgusting. Mm -hmm. um, who's protecting our children? Our, my children are going out into a world where they, they do not think that that's going to be happening to them. Yes. But it can. Mm -hmm. Okay, all these terrible things can happen to our children, and nobody's protecting them. So Rose, the government is actually, as well as the lawmakers, mm -hmm. are passing these laws. Mm -hmm. so all of these laws being passed, somebody in court has to actually provide uh, a bill in order for it to be passed. So uh, anybody that's got the power and has the know-how could, and if they... Um, really truly believe that what they're doing is doing they're doing their job basically because uh it, it, it's for the better good of everyone mm -hmm. could they not actually say uh no we shouldn't be doing this or maybe making um a comment that uh i i don't want to pass this law or whatever it has to take it seems like anything that was put a, put to the table if there's money in it okay we'll pass law well, you know that the the, the Politicians would argue it's not that at all, that the laws have to go through a very rigorous screening process and deba public debate, public discussion. Oh, sure. If it's going through this rigorous screening process, though, it's being only uh, screened by a certain elitist. It's only being put to the table by a certain elitist. The regular person um, that's working eight hours a day mm -hmm. and then coming home and taking care of their family, they're not going to be running around trying to make laws. Maybe they should be. Well, they should be, but they're not. So we're, we're actually putting our trust in our uh, legality system to do the best thing for the society that uh, can happen. Yeah, because we're, not... too, because we're too lazy to get involved. So whose fault is that? Well, if it's the society's fault, Jim, yes, absolutely. Okay, so we have this program right now. Let's get more people on that will actually um, maybe encourage people to stand up for their... Their, uh, their rights uh, as parents, for instance, the right for society instead of Well, having... Rose, we, we do talk to the town five days a week, and it's an open forum for a good portion of those five days for people to talk about exactly those things, and I like to think that we do talk about a lot of them. Okay, well, we're talking about that right now, Jim, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be calling my MP on this Bill 14 because I think that's disgusting, but how many more people will do this? Well... This is the scary thing. We're talking about rights of people, but I think this is the fierce thing where you're... you're, you're People are using rights. Well, you see, one of the rights we have today in this country, and whether it's right or wrong, one of the rights we have is to be indifferent to government, and lots of people exercise that, quote, right. Um, to be indifferent to government in what case, though? Well, I mean, if all these bills to, are being to, passed... To, to, to say, no, to say, hey, you know, I'm too busy. I, I work eight hours. I haven't got time to get involved. You know, as I've said many, many times, the, 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 the one great misconception people have is that because you feel strongly about something, that the government is doing, you don't want them to do it, that they should stop doing it in instantly. It doesn't work that way. If you want to exercise some level of control over the governmental process or the legislative process, you have to get involved in that process, and it will take literally years. Oh, sure, but it, uh, it doesn't take one person, though. It takes one person to it get takes a bill one passed. At a time. It doesn't take one person to repeal that bill. Well, it takes uh, a lot of people putting a lot of time it. into it and petitions after petitions. If and you, that's the thing that really bothers heard about me. How they said, uh, somebody, I think it was Nellie McClung or somebody said that people believe that one dedicated person can't change the world. She said, in fact, that's the only thing that ever has. That's absolutely true. Yes, I agree Okay, too. what about the, uh, there's, I, I'm, I have to prove ignorant, there's a gentleman that's saying that they're going to make a referendum. Why don't they have a referendum uh, on certain issues? Okay, Rose. 
Pardon? I, I've been listening to you here, Rose, and, and you said when you called in that we pushed all the right buttons. You're kind of doing that to me, too, and I'm going through the I'm laughing, I'm crying routine as well. On the one hand, I hear you, uh, you know, exhibit concern about your right as a parent to teach your values at home and to and and you wish that there were you know that th that would be taught in the public school system or whatever on the other hand you're concerned about legalizing things like prostitution and drugs mm -hmm. when i think what you have to look at is that the same authority that allows a government to prohibit people from using drugs or engaging in in what it calls uh, commercial sex i guess is the same power that prevents you from exercising your right as a parent through the school system. I'm glad you brought that up, because in fact, I as a parent did go down to the school and did call the superintendent, did complain about uh, people taking out the prayer, which I really don't believe could affect or hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, for a moral standing, why even, if we're not going to be a moral society, then okay, take out the prayer, which they did. I went down um, everybody looked at me and I felt like a total idiot by the time I w left out of there because they thought it's really not necessary. They articulated their words so well that I didn't have a voice. I, if I had like 10 people behind me, then maybe I would have been a stronger well, wh voice. Where but were the other 10 people? They, were, they didn't have the concern I did. Oh, well, we go to church and we don't really need the prayer because you might be offending somebody. They didn't have the concern. So my mm -hmm. concern mm -hmm. was not heard it no, didn't affect anybody. So what are you going to say to me? I did try. Well, you're never going to You will never be listened to or acknowledged in a public government-run edu education system. You have to have the choice of being able to put your kids and your tax dollars, if the government insists on taking them from you, into the school of your choice. Oh, but I, as a taxpayer, should have some kind of right to voice my concern. But you and, do, and you, but no, Rose, but you, you, know, do, you do. Only by should. having the choice can you, can you exercise a right. I mean, you can yell to your blue in the face if somebody's got you behind a prison bar. You can't do anything about it. Okay, it was, what a, well, then tell me, then, how does the uh, gay rights get all the rights that they have, then? One at a time. One, one at a time. One person started and got support for their position. And Why were they, they listened to and I wasn't? No, I don't think that the initial... They're not done yet. They're still working on well, it. And, and I don't think the first person was listened any more to any more than you to, at, the, at the situation you did. It's the, it's the same thing I said before, Rose. It doesn't change today because you're mad about something today. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's not going to change. And, and if, if 10,000 people are mad today for the first day, it's not going to change today. The system does no system works that way. Okay, but I think that's the frustrating thing for parents and for well, a lot good of people. When they want to it, change though. something, yeah. they mention their concerns, and then it's like, go away, we don't want to hear from you, but, and that's what they do. But if, if it's a small minority, I mean, that is also the part of the function of a collectivist society, that, that the voice of the majority tends to have more weight. Until you're in the majority, that's going to happen, and, and I submit to you, that's the way it should be. If you are, a, if you are a, a, an isolated individual, whatever the issue is, if you're an isolated individual, you, you, you have and should have the right to stand up and speak, you should have the right to talk to your friends and neighbors and try to convince them of, of that, that your position is correct, and all all of you as a collective should then have the right to present that to the government, to lobby the government, to work for or against the government in any way you choose. But I do not buy the idea that an individual has a right to, to, to insist that government change to suit you as an individual. I don't buy that. Not to suit us, to hear the actual concerns, because I don't believe everybody actually gives, uh, gives enough time to issues. Well, absolutely, but that's the whole point. I mean, well, you, that's you, why I'm saying make it blame... easier for those people. How are you going to do it? How are you going to make it easier? How, well, would you, how would you make it easier? Well, 
It's not easy. Rose, would you be happy if we had a system where you could just pay for the education of your kids in the school of your choice and not have to pay education taxes and not have to send them to a, a, a state monopoly school? Okay, you're talking about education, and actually education and morality go hand in hand. And this yes, but I'm asking you well, whether, so whether you mean, would be willing to assume the responsibility. No, I think that you're going to be opening up another can of worms because you're talking about the Jewish, uh, you're talking about Roman Catholics, you're talking about Presbyterians, you're talking about Anglicans, and if they're all wanting to have their kids educated, well, I think, are, not, I think I think we're, we're narrowing the focus too much. And Rose, your concern, as I understood it, was that you were concerned about the fact that, that people aren't listening to you, or you're not being listened to. You made your case, and nobody listened. I'm I'm not concerned about that so much. That was just one example. But I think that's a very good example. The fact that things are being changed, and I hear a lot of people complaining as well, yeah. but nothing happens. Well, I, I, and I suggest to you that not enough people are complaining. You hear about them because somebody, you know, somebody gets on a soapbox and the media covers the story and says Joe Blow doesn't like this, but where are the other 100,000 or million Joe Blows who agree with him? If, okay, if, but Jim, you, all you have to do is be a, a person that's not feeling that they're an educated person, they're talking to somebody that's got a PhD, they've gone to university for five years, yeah. and they can talk circles around you, well, not, and, you, and you don't really want to debate an issue with them. Ralph Klein. There's lots of very effective communicators who don't have PhDs, Absolutely. and they talk people into their ideas, and then that then ends up happening. Okay, but I know for one fact, that was just an example, and um, they gave up, basically. Well, uh, I gave up as well because I didn't well, think Rose, I was heard very well. You can't do that. You can't give up. If you believe in what you're saying and you really believe in it, then you cannot give up. You're not allowed to give up. You don't have the right to give up. <laughs> you take oh, the long okay, perspective, then. though. <laughs> but I have to give up this conversation. <laughs> yes, I appreciate I your call. Okay, Rose. nice talking with you. And we'll be back right after this. Josh Lemmer, Bob Metz, and Jim Chapman here in Left, Right, and Center. We're back to the phones with caller Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi, Jim. How are you this morning? Fine, thanks. Good. Interesting topic. Thank you. I haven't got much time, but I just I want to make a quick comment. Um, I think I agree with you. This is not my constitution either. Mm -hmm. or not my uh, charter of rights and freedoms. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem that we have with that lady that was just talking to you, uh, she says, well, you know, you can't, you can't do anything. Well, the problem is that uh, our lawmakers are not making the laws. The new lawmakers now are the courts. Yes. And that's because of, and we, yeah. we have no jurisdiction there. We can't do anything that's about right. that unless we elect our judges. That, that's where it does get, that is the one point at which I agree with people who say, I'm frustrated because there's nothing I can do. When you reach that level, that's absolutely right. But and, it was the politicians that, that we elected that's who decided it should be that way. Well, that's, that's as, true. As far as I see it. Right. Appreciate the call, Ron. Okay. Thank you. No, you're right, Jeff. It was the politicians. But again, and I, I hate to harp on this, and, and, and there's been essays and essays written by people saying that people using my line of argument are full of baloney. But I still say we deserve it. You get the government you deserve. I will go to my grave believing that because nobody's ever even come close to changing my mind. All the things that the politicians have done, ultimately they have done because we have sanctioned them doing it. In, 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 in our society, anyway, in Canada, uh, we can say, well, you know, we voted for Mulroney, we thought one thing and he did something else. That's true, but, you know, the, the vote is not, is not the end of your franchise, and that's the other thing. I believe too many Canadians believe I vote once every four years and I've done my the, job. The vote isn't even the beginning of your franchise. Well, there I you mean, go. If you're like me, who's voted for a losing candidate all his life, <laughs> I've never been represented <laughs> yeah. under this democracy. Yeah, well, it's very true. Let's go back to the phones where Ivan joins us. Hello, Ivan. Hi, Jim. How are you? Fine, thanks. That's good. Yes, I believe that the reason that people in this country believe that the government owes them something, they're partially right, Jim, with our tax system. Mm -hmm. For instance, there's a $50,000 car. Mm -hmm. You pay 15% tax. Mm -hmm. That's $7,500. Yes. Do you realize how much health care that would buy you for $7,500? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for instance, if you didn't have the, uh, the terrible taxation, 
the 13% raise that uh, politicians received here in the city. Some got 16%. That's a, that's a taxation on the public. Mm -hmm. If they didn't have the, this type of tax system, then people could get their own health care. They could get their own yes. pensions. Yeah. But what about the people who wouldn't do it? That's always the question that well, comes that's up. Well, their, that's their problem, yeah, but we it's, can, not, but, it's not my problem. But Ivan, Ivan, in a compassionate society, society, can we say that? Can we allow people to starve in the midst of plenty? Absolutely. Absolutely. S same thing as you go to the to, uh, university hospital, people are in there to get well, and they're outside smoking. Mm -hmm. They should be kicked out of the hospital. They shouldn't be allowed to go into the hospital. Mm -hmm. It's costing me money and you money. Unless they are uh, paying for it for themselves. And, then and they can be in the hospital all they want and smoke all the cigarettes. That's right. Want. And here's something else. Uh, I totally agree that they should legalize prostitution. Mm -hmm. They should legalize marijuana. Mm -hmm. Because, you see, it doesn't matter. People will, will do it. Now, if they legalized uh, prostitution and marijuana... Yeah. It would save the taxpayers money. It would also save on the health care system because these prostitutes, prostitutes would be in houses that are controlled. They would get medical examinations, and people wouldn't go out and get AIDS. All kinds of good things. You can't, can't uh, pass laws for people's morals. And anyway, who says that going to see a prostitute is immoral? Well, some of our callers today. Yeah, but that's their their opinion. Yeah, for them, it might be immoral, but it might not be immoral for me. So, who has the right to say what's moral for me and immoral? As long as I'm not hurting them. Right. Thanks for the call, Ivan. Have a great day, Jim. You too, sir. And your two guests also have a great day. Uh, I'm Thanks sure they Cheers, bye. And we'll be back right after this. And we're busy kibitzing with each other here off the air. But that's okay. Uh, next week, next Wednesday is Law Day. It is. And uh, I'm going to suggest to my guests that we perhaps take a look at the law yesterday and today and maybe tomorrow in the country. Would that, uh, would that work? Yeah. Sounds like fun. In, in honor of Law Day? Well, it also is the anniversary of the passage of the Charter of Rights, so uh, may tie in as well. Anniversary. There's no, there's no celebratory sense to the word anniversary, is there? <laughs> no, okay. It's simply marking time. Alrighty. Uh, we... <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I like Ryan, the charter. I Since 1982, <laughs> I'm still counting. <laughs> we, uh, uh, what was I trying to say? I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I was just going to thank everybody for calling today. That's what I was going to do. Um, because uh, uh, we've had an interesting show. A lot of things have hit the plate and uh, and been moved around and discussed. What are we going to talk about today? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I don't know what, the, going. what it was and the way we went. But that's, that's part of the fun. And you're always welcome to phone on this program to, uh, um, to participate in that way, to kind of, you know, try to set us off on a path. We're always pleased to hear from you. So for Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz and Ryan and Tara, it's Jim saying thank you for calling today. Please take care of each other and for listening, too. Take care of each other. Mind how you go. And we'll be back tomorrow. Dale Henderson is our guest. He's with Advanced London. They've got some big plans that I think are going to make a tremendous difference to this community if they can get the politicians out of the way and get the job done. We're going to talk about that challenge and many others, too. Plus, whatever else happens, it's all coming up on the next edition of Talk of the Town. Take care. Bye-bye.